Hello, everybody. Welcome back to the Beer Massive Podcast. On this week's episode, we're circling back to a little bit of homebrew make good as we did previously a couple weeks ago with Neil Cade of Gilded Skull. This time we're heading back up to that area and meeting up with Brian uh, from Time and Materials Brewing. Been homebrewing for several years. Been actually sending beer off to me for the video channel for quite some time and has made that leap from home brewer to commercial brewer. A little bit of a unique story here. Um, instead of contracting or opening a standard brewery, I actually purchased a new home and made sure he could zone an area for that brewery so he could uh, actually end up producing and selling beer kind of on a nano scale. So a lot of interesting stuff to a lot of different angles in the conversation ahead. So yeah, sit back. Relax, enjoy a little bit of conversation with Brian Shirley of Time and Materials Brewing. What's going on, everybody? Uh, the beer massif, massive, massif, who cares? Uh, it's all about beer anyway. Um, podcast coming back at you. It's been a bit of a hiatus because of COVID and because of me being lazy and all that stuff. But I finally um, decided to, and I've said this like in four of the ones I've recorded right now. So this is like old hat, but um, decided to kind of do this in a digital format. Um, you know, uh, record the podcast and, and, um, and also do video content and, and reach out to various people, um, about beer and whatnot. We're not going to pigeonhole to just brewers. I'm going to do journalists, Instagrammers, freaking, uh, you know, everybody that does beer stuff. And, um, there's a couple people that I really had top of mind when I started doing, bringing the podcast back. And there was a couple people that actually went from the home brew to like retail brew, during the pandemic, which I think is kind of crazy, and that's why we're we're uh, joined by Brian from uh, from uh, Time and Materials Brewing. What's going on, brother? Hey, buddy! It's always nice to chat. Although I think this is the first time we've chatted not on Instagram or Gmail. That's what I'm saying. It's the first time I've seen your face. I know, wild. Yeah, and voice, which is kind of weird because we've been kind of chatting back and forth for, for a while. I was trying to figure out how long it's been. Two years, something like that. Yeah, some it's something been crazy. That long. Yeah, yeah. So what's going on, brother? How's life? I can't complain, man. Um, hopefully doing a release this weekend, question mark. Um, so we've only I've only had one pro release so far, and that was a beer that I didn't intend to actually release to the general public, um, but it went really well. Um, and the one we're doing next is going to be two different beers, and it'll be... Um, a New England IPA and a session porter. And the New England IPA is two local hops, uh, like one cheater hop. And then um, both beers are all New England grown and malted malt. If you don't make a beer called cheater hops, I'm going to punch you in the face when I see it for the first time. Anyway. uh... (laughs) I mean, you know what? Uh, Scott, I think Scott Janish has one specifically called cheater hops. Okay, fair enough. Fair enough. Fair enough. But um, I mean, that's pretty cool. I mean, like you said, you had one like you know retail professional release, and then you're coming out with two now because you get your actual license to actually sell to the public. What a bit over a month ago, month and a half. Ago. I I honest to god, I couldn't tell you. I want to say like February, maybe whenever the hell yeah. that was. Um, because okay. I submitted everything. I started all the paperwork in like November. And for me, you, I need federal approval that comes from TTB. You need FDA approval. Um, you need, for Massachusetts, you need a special type of surety bond uh, that just, like, in case you never pay your taxes. It's basically insurance against yeah. that. Um, and then you need the, the state licensing. So then each one of those chunks took, like, a month and change. So it all kind of blurs together. Well, let's um. Well, let's let's unblur it. Let's start let's from the beginning. Um, before even the brewery started, like, what was your what was your journey in the beer to the point where you started homebrewing? Was it like the classic kind of just you know go go ape shit on beer when you first discover it? Did someone specific introduce you to beer? Was it a slow burn? Like, how'd you originally get into beer itself? Yeah. Uh, so for beer specifically, it actually originated with my wife and. I want to say Hetty Topper. Um, okay. And I like I was a clear spirits kind of guy. Um, and then she slowly got me into it. And then she actually was the driving force behind us going to Vermont and finding Hetty Topper. 
um, and I forget how many years ago I found the like the Facebook memory a couple of weeks ago. Um, and for brewing, um, my buddy Jake that I used to work with, um, who actually used to brew with me, um, got me into it. And I want to say, and I'm sure he'll correct me, the the gist there was he wanted a new hobby. He didn't have space in his apartment. And his partner said, like, hey, dude, if you want a new hobby, you got to get rid of your other hobby stuff. And so I then I got all of his beer <laughs> brewing stuff. Um, and then that that got really involved really quickly. Um, but we, we started from the basics, which was great. The, the rule was like no fancy adjuncts, no crazy yeast. Like you start with the basic like smash beers and then you slowly yeah. work your way up. So you well, understand well, before you run kind of exactly. Stuff. Yep. And what, that what was, was that, for, what was that set up? Like when, what was that? Do you still use any of that original setup? Or? So I, I've gotten rid of, I think either sold or given away all of it now. Uh, like all of the, all of the beer that I use to make beer that I've sent you, um, I think is gone now. Um, either through like friends who wanted to get started up or I joined a homebrew club, like maybe a year before going pro and then a bunch of guys in there, I would say like, Hey, you know, I'm, I, I don't want cost for this, but like, can you give me some beer money? And like, I'll give you all the stuff. Um, <laughs> so was, I was able to kind of like pass down a lot of the stuff that was passed down to me from other people too. So that like keeping that going was important. So it was pretty much like Alchemist Hetty kind of got you into things. Yep. But but and then you end up getting a I guess you get a brew set up through, through uh, my buddy, yeah. Through spite. Uh get yeah. rid of your shit, yeah. otherwise you can't have a new hobby. Yeah, more or less. Always the best way to start anything through um it, through it really hobby. is. Yeah, of course. And um but when does it go, okay, I'm making beer to I'm gonna start. I'm going to do this because you're doing it in an unconventional yep. manner and we'll get to that in the future in a bit. But um, when does it go from like I'm home brewing to where I'm going to try to make a, make a, make a niche for myself because it's yep. a, a unique kind of a, a, a angle you're taking at it. Yeah. Like, so it, the, the push for me was actually um, one of the founders, Dino from vitamin C. Um, he and I were in a, Facebook group for people who enjoyed Treehouse and homebrewed. Um, and I started following him on Facebook and on, on Instagram and talking to him a bunch um, and seeing his trajectory in terms of having something at your house, being able to generate a buzz around it, like making friends in the industry and doing it that way. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was like, oh, like, I bet I can do this. Um, and then throughout all of that period, I ended up getting laid off from my job that I had with my buddy who gave me all the beer stuff. And then I used my, with my now wife's permission, I used my severance to uh, buy the canning machine. And that was like my first big kick in the butt. Okay. And that was one of the more unique things. Um, you know, I've been sent homebrew multiple times over the years, you know, I think you send, no, no, you're the second person ever to send me canned homebrew but you're the first person to send me canned homebrew that was like clearly had a, 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 an idea and an aesthetic that was yep. kind of like okay this is going towards what i want to do um because you know the cans were you know what i mean everything was packaged and presented in a professional manner first off before we get too deep time and materials why What's that? Yeah. Um, so my buddy who gave me all the beer stuff, uh, we were brainstorming one day and we were brewing all the time and I wanted a way to give out the beer and have some like central tracking point to it. And I didn't want to say like Brian and Jake's beer and like have it written on Sharpie. Um, yeah. So we ended up brainstorming a bunch of names and Time Materials was actually the second one we came up with. And Time Materials... Uh, was a common way of billing. Um, we both worked at an advertising agency, and that was a really common way of doing uh, contracts. So, like, mm-hmm. if uh, you had a company and you needed, you know, a website and a TV commercial and yada yada yada, um, typically things are either done um, through fixed fee bids. So we say, you know, it's going to cost you fifty grand, or um, depending on the relationship, you can do time materials, usually with a with a cap, and says, you know take whatever you need, like, let us know before you start billing us. But 
then you charge the client literally for your time and then whatever materials you need to get. Um, and it's also a really common way of doing um, construction or projects like that where, you know, a fixed fee bid would be like really hard to figure out or you have a lot of work that's ongoing and, you know, you hire someone to do a bunch of stuff around the house and you say, okay, cool, it's going to be, you know, hundred bucks an hour plus, you know, whatever you need to get at Home Depot. Well, no, and that, and that's one of the reasons why I asked it because it's like, you know, the name in and of itself is like just like so simple. Like yep. it's 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 complex and simple at the same time because it's like it's obvious. You know what I mean? Like it's like beer is obviously time and time and materials. You know, and and and, and it just makes sense. Um, yeah. So it's not like one of those weird names. Like you, you see some breweries come out with names, and you're like, I think they're just trying a little bit too hard yep. with their name, but it, it ended up being a little bit kind of just so simple it just kind of works so from the get minus the font design from the get, from the get i yep. actually enjoyed enjoyed the name um yeah oh yeah quite a bit so like when do you go okay so you, you get your setup from um your ex-co-worker um you start brewing you start thinking about producing beers putting them in the cans and kind of just generating Oops, but generating buzz, generating yep. something about what, uh, whatever. When do you start? Like, what's your roadmap to that? Like, you obviously sent me beers. Obviously, you, I'm not yep. the only person who sent beers. Was there a calculated kind of roadmap? Be like, okay, I'm going to can this. I'm going to send these people. So hopefully, it works because you could send it to somebody. You can send it to anybody. Try to get like your name out there, but yep. like especially like me. Like I always hang my head on the fact that I'm just not nice about stuff if yeah. it's not good. So it's like, it's like, what do you calculate? Like, I just want to generate a name versus I also want to, you know what I mean? Get a little bit of feedback that is not necessarily my friends. Cause you tend to get just awesome. You're awesome, totally. dude. That, yeah. All your beer is great. And, and like find that balance between getting recognition, getting some kind of buzz, but also getting a little bit of feedback that may, you might not be getting from yourself. How did that yeah. Um, so planning and catalyst there was um my wife and i bought a house three years ago maybe um and my my request in our in our house hunt was like my, my literally only th my ask was that i wanted a dedicated area to make beer where i could like have a setup and have tanks and and do all that kind of stuff um because before it was like all in the kitchen and i have to like break it down and then clean up and put everything in the basement. And it was, uh, it was a bigger pain in the butt. Um, so luckily my wife agreed to that and we found a house that had that and met all of her requirements. Um, and then thinking through kind of like the brand trajectory, the, I figured that if I was generating a buzz before you could actually sell stuff, there's like three ways that you could probably go about it. One, you could give, beer out to randos like local randos um but the like relative return on interest on that is probably pretty low like you know if you make the best beer in the world and you give it to you know your neighbor if your neighbor is a normal person like no one else knows hypothetically mm -hmm. um the other route that i see a lot of people taking is going after like quote unquote like influencers mm -hmm. um and then to me as someone who through work has engaged those folks for, for different products and launches and everything. <laughs> um, I know that for, for me, that wasn't quite the route that I wanted to take because the folks who engage with, the, with that chunk of content aren't necessarily the people who are going to buy beer. Mm -hmm. um, and like, who cares if I send beer to someone in California who has, you know, a million followers, but the, the million followers are like all over the world. So like, great, now this guy in Istanbul like knows about my beer, but like that doesn't help in the short term where like the stuff is at the liquor store and I need someone to buy it. Um, so the way that I went about things uh, was one, figuring, finding people who were kind of dicks, um, who would be like really, really honest um, because there's no sense in like spending a lot of time and money and effort doing something and getting the same talk track back. Um, and it's better to like rip the bandaid off and be like, okay, cool. Like this is terrible for these reasons, or like this idea is bad. Um, and a lot of that, if you're like approach people nice enough, you'll get the type of like feedback and information back that you would gain from, you know, consulting firm or going to school for a long time or any one of those things. Um, so I ended up doing 
you might actually be the exception. The primary thing was I went after folks in the industry that I like their beer and respected. Um, and I went to those folks first and built those relationships and friendships first, like A, to gain knowledge on like how to do things and how to scale and, and how to do all of that stuff. Um, and to kind of get a bunch of exposure that way. And so the, like a lot of folks in the industry kind of in New England probably knew about me before like the average beer consumer um, because I'd, I'd find, okay, cool. Like I really like this brewery. Like let me track down who the brewer is and like see if I can become buds with them. Um, and it ended up like helping me out a ton in terms of people that like I'm able to, like I was able to call a, f a couple of folks um, actually a couple of days ago when I had a question about um, filing state taxes for bottle returns. So like in Massachusetts, mm -hmm. um, yeah. every bottle, every bottle or can that you produce, you have to pay the state five cents. Um, so like I was able to, because I had this kind of nice fleshed out network, there was folks who had done everything that I wanted to do before that I could, you know, call on. And I wasn't kind of shit out of luck. Um, with you, I knew that I, I wanted feedback and reviews online and so i looked at folks who are doing it on instagram and folks who are doing it on youtube and the once you like look at that chunk of like let's say 20 humans and think through who has an opinion that's worth a damn um who has half a clue of what they're talking about and who has an audience um somehow you snuck into like the 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 overlap of that venn diagram yeah, um, yeah, where oh, there was diagrams, you're speaking my language right now. Uh, I know, uh, like there's a lot of folks who had a, a lot of like a big audience, but the like the content would be really inconsistent, and it would be like all this local beer, and then it'd be like paid content by Burger King or something, um, <laughs> or there would be like they'd have all these YouTube videos, but like they have no fucking idea what they're talking about. Um, and I want to say the way that I stumbled on you, my my go-to for a while would be like, I'd have beers and then I would go on YouTube or Google and like look up the brewery or look up the beer to see like, cool, is like their video about the brewery or the beer. And um, yeah. through a bunch of the Vermont stuff that I liked, you kept popping up. So like there would be, there was like, uh, like podcast episodes with Jen and John from The Alchemist or like yeah. Hill Farmstead reviews or stuff from, um, I was going to say something from Maine, but uh, like, I want to say you have a couple from rock, rock art and just like random stuff that I would grab. And then I would like half drunkenly go on YouTube and figure out like, Oh, like, okay, cool. What else is there about this beer? Like, let me learn some more. Okay. Okay. Fair enough. Yeah. I mean, the John from Alchemist, uh, Kimmich, Kimmich uh, fucking interview is probably my favorite one I've ever done. Yeah. Uh, just how awesome of duty is and yep. um, how not, full of shit you know yeah. what i mean like most people are so um no and you were talking about um you know you're you're actually this was it you're talking about um your your house search and yep. like that you want to have a dedicated area for your beer which i can actually appreciate like if i were spin my camera around to have like a bunch of music stuff totally. over there yep. and, and, and and the reason why i have a dedicated area for music is because when i get inspired and i want to do something it's nothing crushes your soul more than having the setup yep because by the time you're done setting up you're like I just, uh, 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 it's gone it's gone yeah. i don't want to do it right now um like when you did you have actually in mind because for you know foreshadowing for further in the podcast like the way you have your setup going is you live next to an area that is designated as a brewery but it's actually yep. attached to your house and you're mail ordering beer directly from where you live to people so you have like technically a garage that's a brewery but it's legitimately licensed yep. and TTD as a brewery. Like, was that, was that the ultimate goal? Like when you were planning for that place to brew, was that the, you knew you had to do that or you wanted that and eventually figured out how to compartmentalize that area into a brewery? I would say probably a little bit of both. I wanted, I want to take, so I knew I wanted a dedicated area for brewing at that point. I did not know that I, that I could figure out how to do it commercially. Um, and like, I had no, probably not no interest, but 
it, it wasn't it wasn't a fleshed out plan in my mind to say like I definitively want to go pro. Um, yeah. But the so I we had the we had the brew space and then I got a bunch of the equipment and through friends and acquaintances that I've made, um, I looked to see the feasibility of like okay cool I know that there. I know there's a, a number of folks who are doing breweries on, on residentially zoned space. Like even um, like the old Lawson's brewery, the seven barrel yeah. is on his property. Um, yeah. So like I knew conceptually like at a federal level, that was probably okay. Um, and then I reached out to a bunch of, I did a bunch of research um, and, you know, scoured for examples of people doing it, um, doing it out of their garage and, so like going from, you know, a dedicated structure to um, something that was like already existing. Um, found some examples of that, talked to them, um, and then figured out what the federal and state guidelines would be that I would have to meet. Um, and largely it's about um, protecting taxable goods. Um, so like there has to be, it has to be a dedicated locked area that has its, a, a dedicated entrance and exit, and you cannot go through a living space to access it. Okay. Um, <clears throat> so there is a door between the house and the garage that you can access from the inside, but that has a lock on the garage side. Um, and then the garage has a dedicated door from the outside going in. Okay. So, and that's, and that's the funny thing about politics or not politics, just zoning and all yep. that kind of stuff where it's just like logistically. So what you're saying is you want a dedicated spot for brewing, but eventually you wanted to move to the stage and just happen to have the setup that yeah was, you didn't think about it beforehand, but it worked yeah. out that you can do it that way. Now, now how big, uh, how big of a batches are you brewing at a time? So I have a half barrel system so that's 15 finished gallons um and i actually just okay. ordered a one barrel fermenter so like in totality i could probably do maybe three barrels here um which okay. is what is that that's 30 cases of beer at any given yeah. time I, okay. I think a, a barrel on a good day is 10 cases even of tall boys okay and you said you've already done one release which was how yep. how much uh, so that one was just that that one was just a half barrel and that release was um, there's a brewery that's going in up the street that I became friends with um, and we were we wanted to do a collaboration anyways um, and then the plan at that point was we were going to they needed beer to open um, before the system got installed and I wanted to have beer in the market um, so we brewed this collaboration and then we were going to use this beer as kind of the blueprint for the contracting facility and to do some pre-sales with um, retailers. So I'd be able to go to a retailer and have packaged beer in hand and say, hey, look, this is the exact beer that we're doing. You know, in a month, I'll have 300 cases of this. Like, do you want to buy some? Um, and then the contracting facility ended up getting really busy. Um, and I was just going to give it out to friends. And then my wife was like, hey, dumbass, you have to pay taxes on this anyways. Like, why don't you sell it? Like, why isn't this release number one? Um, yeah. So it's still the kind of DIY sticker labels that I've sent you. Um, we since have like fancy town labels. Um, mm -hmm. And it, it ended up going out really well. Um, and it was a good, it was a good, it was a good smaller test run. So it, it ended up being that, um, and this probably gets into stuff that we'll talk about later, but um, like got the mail order stuff all figured out, um, got all the packaging, figured out how long it would take me to actually like send everything out and da 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 da. Um, so it was, a, it was a nice, like low stress entry point for a release. Um, and then hopefully doing another one in the next couple of days. So you move from, so you purchase this house, you zone it yep. out to, to where you can actually like uh, send beer out in the mail. Um, you're brewing and adding equipment to the point mm -hmm. where like you can like can beer, you could sell beer, do all that kind of stuff. Let's kind of circle back a little bit, go a little bit towards the beginning. Like, you know, I'm sure over the years with you, like drinking beer, um, home brewing beer, uh, wanting to become professional getting to the point where you're actually selling beer to the public like 
when did you formulate or is it ever evolving when did you formulate like your your core ethos of the brewery like what is it is it yeah is it is it, is it mixed culture and hazies is it everything is it what what's what what do you want to do with time materials ultimately at least for the next couple of years really good question and uh for better or for worse through my bazillion years in advertising like that kind of brand work is stuff that i did for a day job um yeah so i had a lot of the the ethos figured out before the liquid figured out um because there was it was easy to you know go with friends get a couple of beers and pontificate on like what would the brewery what should it be and what should it be what should it be about um so can like the core ethos is actually i can read it off the can uh time materials is a family-owned nano brewery in reading mass we use local ingredients to make beer that isn't pretentious we believe that local matters family comes first and beer should be good or beer should taste good learn more about us and our local suppliers at timematerialsbeer.com um so the the gist is um a lot of my friends are in the trades and would want to drink craft beer, but a lot of the craft beer requires like decoder rings to understand. And like, you might want a beer, but you might not know the difference between galaxy and citra or necessarily like give a shit or mm -hmm. like what a goose versus a kettle sour is or any of that stuff. Um, so, so I knew that there were folks who wanted to drink locally made beer and didn't want to be kind of talked down to. Um, and I knew that, Local ingredients are great and logistically easier, actually. Um, and I didn't see many examples of beer with local ingredients that wasn't like fine dining and like tweezer plating and micro microfilm yeah. kind of kind of jam, which is like, listen, like as a beer nerd, like I can, I dig a lot of that crap. Um, but as a consumer, it can get kind of like hoity-toity. Um, and like your farmer's name is probably like Bob and it shouldn't cost, you know, $800 for a locally grown steak. Like if he's down the street and the cow's name is, you know, Bessie. Um, and so I want to take a similar approach with beer where leverage local ingredients, make sure things are really accessible from like branding and marketing and narrative and, and all that stuff. Um, and then with the liquid, um, primarily sessionable um i'm i'm a drinker i'm not a sipper um so like i i would much rather have three four percents than one twelve percent on most nights Preach um, it, son. yeah uh, i think you call it like potable water if you really enjoy a yeah. beer yeah. 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 yeah um and so take taking roughly a similar approach where like i i dig some of the higher abv stuff but you know like my jam is probably like six percent and under um mm -hmm. and i would say like gun to my head probably pretty belgian leaning um okay. I, I i dig the mixed firm stuff now that i have a new tank i want to dedicate um one of the smaller tanks to just britannomyces crap because um, like i go i'm a much bigger fan of funk than i am of sour like yes. acid i can kind of take and take and leave it mm -hmm. um and like listen I, I i love me a fucked up kettle sour with you know Eight million pounds of whatever and lactose and marshmallows like mm -hmm. there's a time and a place um but like give me an honest saison and and i'm a happy guy well i mean hmm. the thing is and like doing that as like someone that actually like sells beer yep um essentially at this point it could change moving forward out of your house basically yep. you're mail ordering out of your house how do you move four percent table saison via mail order that's a, you know it's what a mean? Real, like yeah no and it, so that's we kind of stumbled into we kind of stumbled into how to make that work um so the mail order jam is um Every release will be two distinct beers for a two four packs, and each four pack is different for a total of eight cans. Um, we've decided to have one of the cans always be a hoppy option because I don't know if I could do, you know, two Belgians and have people mm -hmm. get that right away. But a hoppy option at least anchors it. 
Um, and having something that's hoppy and kind of straightforward provides, it, it helps build brand trust. So it's like, okay, cool. Like they know that they're going to get a hazy and the hazy is going to taste how they want it to taste and have all the right notes and yada, yada, yada. Um, then they'll probably give the other one a chance. Um, and so like not quite sneaking it in there, but almost. Um, well, so like, I'm curious. I'm curious about that because like I noticed, I noticed on your website, even though it was sold out, that was the same option for the first beer, which was yep. like, you can only order two, four packs at a time. Yep. Like most people are, are leaning towards wanting to do split four packs. So you're, yep. you're, you're doubling down on two, four packs yeah. as opposed to whatever. Do you think that's a viable like option? Do you think I don't people know. resonate with that? You don't I, know? It, I, I think it'll be the mail order beer thing will be, it'll be interesting to see how it plays out as COVID restrictions lift. I think it's, really popular right now because folks are cooped up in their houses mm -hmm. and you're like for me like i'm physically here to sign for an order but like when i go back to the office i'm not going to be here to sign for an order and unless i can like explicitly schedule it for a friday or something when i'm working from home like my desire to do that like lessens a little bit um not to mention not to mention like you're kind and like i don't want to call it envious position but yep but for someone that like wants to do this kind of format and the pandemic happens i'm not saying you, you're enjoying the pandemic but yeah. the mail order thing is gonna start to get a little bit less prevalent yep. but and it, and it was much more prevalent over the past year so how do you leverage that how do you take that like okay everybody's ordering beer online to where everybody's gonna have the thirst and just go out and yep. buy all their beer like how do you how do you translate that yeah to your so it was so the going to market i with really small batches i had two options one you could sell to liquor stores or um like covid not exposed, but kind of forced folks' hands in terms of re-examining the laws about like mail order beer, um, at least in Massachusetts, um, yeah. because it's not something that a lot of people I don't think they looked into really heavily. And then I think as COVID came on, um, some of the bigger places that have legal teams in place like reviewed things on their own and figured out like, oh, actually, like we can probably do this. Um, and then our licensing, our licensing board in the state, the ABCC, came out and said, like, yes, you can do this, um, provided that you, I forget the exact legal language, but like you have to go through a carrier. So like I, I go through UPS. I cannot physically, even if it's across the street, I cannot walk that beer across the street. It needs to go from me to a licensed carrier, the licensed carrier to the consumer, and like the why, whatever. Um, so two options, one liquor stores or two go to mail order, um, looking at liquor stores, the trouble there was, <clears throat> I only had enough to stock like two or three liquor stores at a time and figuring out which ones I want to stock and would be really hard. And then I had amassed a lot of folks in new England and across the state. And we have a pretty lengthy or pretty sizable state, um, surprisingly. And there, I didn't, I couldn't find a way to like put it in liquor stores and not piss off people who had like some emotional investment in the brand. So mm -hmm. like before I was able to sell beer legally, I sold all this merch and then we would have merch get sold across the state and across New England. And like, I knew probably in good faith that that if I just released beer at the liquor store down the street, that'd piss off a bunch of people. Um, who had already kind of invested some of their or had invested their time and money into the brand. Um, so I, I did the mail order thing. Um, and unclear if it would be sustainable in long term, but I focused on um, making things competitively priced and making a really streamlined user experience where a lot of times if you order beer online, it, you're paying retail plus shipping. And mm -hmm. Like, yeah, I could probably do that. Um, but then it's like a one-time novelty order. Like if one of my favorite, like if one of my favorite breweries in another part of the country had stuff out, like I might order them from them like once a year, but you know, paying, you know, your 20 bucks a four pack plus another 20 in shipping, like, eh. Um, so thinking through that, I ended up charging, um, all the releases are gonna be, $40 flat rate with free shipping. And like, obviously I have to pay for shipping and I eat 
eat that cost, um, but it works out to be the same net profit as if I sold the four pack to a liquor store. Yeah, and it would be like $16 a four pack, basically. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. And and so it works out where like 20 bucks a four pack um, is on the higher end, but not unreasonably so. Like I, I bought a $20. Especially when, but... especially when shipping is baked in. Like if you, yeah. like when you, once you realize of like, oh, there's no shipping cost, $20 yep. becomes infinitely more digestible than yep. like $16 plus. 18 yep. shipping and regard, you know, blah, blah, blah. And so, and so I ended up, I have um, a, a bunch of friends still in advertising and we, we kind of tested it amongst a, a small group and figured out what people, what positioning of pricing worked best. And so like, do, do people actually want to know you're paying, you know, 20 bucks for shipping and like each beer, each four pack is really 10 bucks. Like most people don't want to know that they're paying, 10 bucks a four pack plus 20 bucks for shipping. Yeah. So we, we, we baked it in. It's, you know, it's the same like nine 99 instead of $10 kind of thing. Yeah. Um, well, let's speak to that. Like you're talking about like the foreseeable future and yep. like, uh, like beer mail, like sending beers out and, 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 um, and, and mailing beer to people like that's ambitious. That's great. Yep. That's fantastic. But, I don't think that's a sustainable business model. Like, where do you where do you want to yeah. end up? Like, what's the ultimate goal? Is it is it is it you moving towards contracting? Ultimate goal would be like obviously like to open up a brewery your own, but realistically, like where what's yeah. the near future plans as far as I, production bumping up and all that kind of stuff? Near future plans will probably be what we're doing now. I would say thinking a little bit longer term like five to ten years uh, a brick and mortar makes sense um i've tossed around the idea of contracting a bunch and it it's a lot of money up front the return isn't spectacular without a gigantic volume <laughs> excuse me um and so what i've done is i just got a i bought a new tank yesterday actually um and what that'll let me do is keep the same volume of mail order and do um, retail drops at two or three liquor stores. Cause a lot of what I was hearing from folks in the town were like, Hey jerk, you know, we live, you know, a couple streets over. Like why, why do I have to pay shipping? Why can't I just come over and pick it up? Um, and I have, and you know, like legally I can't do that, but also like, that's a really good question. Um, and so this way I take care of the locals who have access, who will have access to, a, a decent chunk of beer and I have the mail order stuff going and then using that to help build the brand, continue to build the brand, make a tiny amount of money um, and hopefully get to a point of like escape velocity where like a brick and mortar makes sense. When, and it's in talking with folks who have contracted for a long time, that was often their rationale for starting to contract is like, get their name out there, get some sales history, um, build some customer trust. Um, but like with that gigantic a, called a loss leader. By yeah. Way. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I mean, it, it, no, I mean, I'm joking because you're obviously a marketing fucking specialist, but it's one of those things where sometimes you have to bite that bullet just to get your name yep. out there and do those kind of things. But the ultimate goal, and that's what I want to talk about basically getting yourself to, the point where people like want to buy your beer, like, like the romantic side of yep. things, like yeah, the yeah. romantic, like I'm in love with this beer thing. Like, where's, where are you at? Are you on a farm in New Hampshire? Are you in a, are you in a strip mall uh, <laughs> close to Boston? Are you yep. in like a, an old building that is producing multiple different kinds of beer? Like what's yep. the ultimate ultimate goal? I would want something what i mean like pie in the sky i would love like what the like the trillium and the and the treehouse kind of farm brew like that's you know that's the you you money is no object you win the lottery kind of mm -hmm. thing um i think realistically i want a modestly sized brewery in town that folks can walk to um with really approachable beer but also like a dedicated line for you know funky stuff um 
Yeah. And then even thinking through, like thinking through that, um, the goal would never to be a national brand. Um, like just logistically with local ingredients, I'm not super worried about the marketability of it outside of New England because I don't think New England grown ingredients is like inherently interesting to someone who lives in Ohio, like Ohio grows their own crap. Um, and so like for me, I think the the sell, the selling point and the value add locally is what else, what is also probably going to be a hindrance nationally if I ever wanted to do that. Um, but it's not well, something that I'm super invested in. Uh, and you mentioned like early on and, and talked about, um, you know, we joked about cheater hops and all yeah, that yeah. kind of stuff. Like, it seems like you want to put like an emphasis on local, but you're also not beholden to completely yeah. local. It's kind of like a weird thing. Like it's either and uh, one or the other, either yep. someone's like hyper local. We want to be a farm brewery. We want to get to that 94 percentile of ingredients that yep. makes us a farm brewery. But you're like, okay, I want to use local ingredients, but you know, I'm okay with using other ingredients just to bridge the gap to make this yep. beer taste good. Like we're we're just not even from your breweries aspect of like what you want to brew, but as far as like looking at beer, like how do you feel about breweries that are like that? Like I'm I'm so um enamored and appreciative of a brewery that does like all hundred percent local. Yep. But there's something about like somebody that's like, I'm going to do 90% local, but just because my beer wants to be great, I'm okay with doing 10% non-local yeah. because I can't bridge that gap yep. to good beer without that 10%. Like what's the mindset around now? Those kind of things. Cause you push it a lot in these. Uh, yeah. I think um, so. And actually that's kind of the, the gist of this is the other one that we're going to do. This is uh, home field advantage and the, the, the gist there is it's going to be a, a series that does two local with one like national or international hop. And it'll be a way to kind of sneak in a lot of the local stuff um, because a lot of the locally for hops specifically, um, all the cheater hops are proprietary to their breeders. Um, yeah. And so, like, you can't get, like, locally grown citra. Like, that's just not yeah, a thing. because it's trademarked and you can't fucking grow it. Exactly. Um, and eventually, like, I mean, we'll see. I want to say it's Amarillo is really close to having their, like, patent or trademark expire or whatever the hell it is. Well, it's, um, also the, it's also the flip side. You couldn't grow good citra up here, up where you are if you even yeah. wanted to. So, yep. it's, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. it's like if it was open source, you'd be like, you screwed anyway. Exactly, yep. Um, <laughs> and so the using local for folks who are beer nerds for hops specifically i think can be a tall ask because none of the hops are like the sexy hops folks like mm -hmm. want to go after um so like it's the cascades and centennials and nugget and fuggles and you know uh comets and and all of those kind of like old school open source varieties um and so the the plan around the hops specifically was to use some of the local hops that i know are delicious and phenomenal and add in kind of like a little bit of extra spice on the top with some of the cheater hop note cheater hop notes that folks kind of know and react to um and then even talking to folks now um even like brewers locally it seems like kind of a no shit that you could brew a new england ipa with new england grown hops um but it's not something a lot of people are doing mm -hmm. um but also, like, at the same time, like, I love supporting local, but, like, Citroen Galaxy is so damn good. Yeah, and, like, and that's the thing. Like, a lot of people see the, the, you know, they'll see a beer and it's like, ah, you know, Sabro or whatever. Yep. And it's like, oh, this is delicious. It'd be like, you know, that's, like, three quarters Galaxy or Citroen. Yeah, so exactly. It's like, just, it's like, the only, like, there's a tweak in hops there. It's not, yep. like, it's still, like, like half, more than half of all you yep. drink hazy prices. Etc. Um, but no, I mean, it, it, like it's very 
romantic. We can get back to that point about doing the whole terroir thing. But when yep. you're talking about like doing like locally grown local ingredients, those kind of things, you know, it translates so much better to, you know, mixed culture, funky yep. season, all that kind of stuff. But it can be done with the hazies and stuff like that. And that's the thing. It's usually like an either or thing. Like if you talk to a purist or a brewer and they're like, oh, it's either 100% local or you just do your blown out kind of, you know, Australian, you're, you know, uh, uh, unique kind of hops, but there is room for a mixture of the two. Like, yep. be like, okay, fine. It's a, it, the base is Citra. It's like 20% yep. Citra. But we brought a little bit of this over here. And that's fine. And you've had right. an, you've had exhibit A beer, right? Am I yeah. crazy? Yes. Yeah. So uh, Matt Steinberg, who owns exhibit A, and I'm pretty sure it was him. Um, he uses a lot of uh, locally malted grain in his beer. And I remember, I don't know if it was a podcast or YouTube video, or there's something that I saw and someone asked him about it. And his focus is he will leverage a small percentage of something really consistently all the time. And I want to say it's a, a specific kind of wheat that he loves that he puts into most of his beers or a lot of his beers. Um, and he always gets that locally and it might, you know, it might be, you know, 8% of the grist. Um, but having, you know, incorporating, incorporating something on a regular basis like that provides a nice reference point for the consumer and some predictability for the farmer. And then it's stuff that you get used to instead of like once a year doing like a local beer. Um, so providing it with some regularity has been, has been pretty, pretty great to see. Um, let's switch back to you personally, not the yeah. actual burden itself. What's turning you on right now in beer? Like, uh, I understand yeah. you probably drink a lot of your own beer, but I wish I very beer. little of my own beer. Okay. Fair enough. What What's like your kind of, what are you drinking? Like sessionable, um, like, uh, you know, middle of the road. Like what, what are you breaking out when you're feeling? Yeah. Like, um, like I end up at this point, I end up buying a lot of my friends' beers. So the only beer of mine that I'll drink is low fills or like dented cans or stuff mm -hmm. like that. Um, just because if I didn't add that, you know, that barrier, then I'd probably drink all of my own beer. Um, <laughs> so it, it, and it stays in the licensed area under lock and key and a tax, a tax determination vessel and yada, yada, yada. Um, I would say locally there's um, my buddies at Amory's tomb do a lot of like 90% of their stuff is probably mixed fermentation um, like and house culture and bread and they'll do um, they have a pretty big the, focus. Is that the place that's uh, down the street from you or no. So this uh, I ended up doing um, two collaborations with them Um and it, it ended up just being like friends of friends and we're now all good friends. Um, and they do kind of, I would say probably like Allagashi Jester King kind of beer um, okay. with a, with a big focus on um, locally grown grain too. And so I, I buy their stuff whenever I, whenever I'm out that way. Um, and then honestly, cause I'm now an old dad, I've been buying a lot of variety packs. <laughs> um <laughs> Like I bought a, har a harpoon mixed twelve pack and a smutty nose mixed twelve pack, and they're treating me yeah, right. Buddy. Hell yeah, dude! Like, what did I bit? What did I buy a mixed pack of the other? Oh, I bought a, a von Trapp mixed pack. Hell yeah! The other day, yeah. it was like full of dunkles and pilsners yep. and hellas and and, yep. and uh, yeah, uh, uh, hell yeah, dude! And like, I think 20, 20 bucks for twelve beers. Yeah, and I'm just drinking like sub five and a half percent lager. Yeah, it's amazing. Like all day. Okay. And I would say Jack's now thinking through that Jack's Abbey is probably a very consistent mainstay in the house. Um, yeah. Phenomenal lagers, amazing, like uh, depth and width of the portfolio. And like the price points are fucking insane. Um, yeah. Like I, I want to say that there's some 12 packs that are like $12. Yeah. Yeah. It's not even a matter of price at this point. It's like, how are you turning a lager that decent? Yeah. And like, two and a half weeks like yeah it's it, like, it's, they're, they're, they're magicians yeah 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 let me ask you this though if you're gonna drink like a dessert beer 
Yeah. Like something like a one-off barley wine, whatever, big yep. beer. Do you have a go-to or is it like just, <sighs> you just, um, you know, shoot, like shoot from the hip and try something new. I'm not a big, uh, I'm not a huge barley wine guy. And I know that's sacrilege. Um, like a Belgian quad is probably my go-to. That's in the same ballpark, man. Yeah. Uh, and then I've, I, I can't even think or pronounce any of the good names, but they're like, they ended up being shelfies and they're delicious. So um, like Rochefort 10 or exactly. Yeah. Like, that. Yeah, like yep. those kind of beers. Oh yeah. yeah. Fuck it, dude. I, I pulled a Rochefort 10. Like I haven't had one in months and I grabbed one a week, week and a half ago. I drank it. And I'm like, I'm an asshole for not buying this more often. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. 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 I would. Yeah. The, the dark Belgians, uh, or like a even a, a quad or a triple, I would say, are almost always my go-to on 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 a cold night. Okay, and uh, before we wrap this up, because we're at about an hour, and I want to yep. keep it to about an hour. Uh, what what uh, shitty beer do you rip? Do you have a shitty beer that like you just like rip the shit out of? Uh. I wouldn't say it's shitty, but Miller Lite is a strong contender for one of my favorite beers of all time. Okay, now, I'm, Miller High Life is my. I can get behind High Life. I, I I think I have a High Life in this. Yeah, I got a High Life. Hell yeah! Prime ready right yeah. now. Um, but yeah, uh, shitty beer, fuck the world. Because yeah. every now and then you just want to rip beers. You know what yeah. I mean? You if don't I'm wanna, like, get out and get all fancy and hoity-toity. We don't do. Uh, beer in liquor stores in Massachusetts, but like when I go up to visit one of my buddies in New Hampshire, there's uh, a um, grocery store on the way back, and I'll usually stop there and get groceries for the week for the family and pretty reliably get like a 30 rack of Miller Lite, and it, it treats me proper. There you go, brother. Um, so t- tell the listening folks where they can find you. How do they find uh, Time and Materials? At Time and Materials Beer on literally everything and by that i mean now that i said that um instagram and facebook we don't really do the twitters the tweeters i ended up meeting my wife on twitter many years ago and i've since hung up my tweeters oh sacrilege man you you met your wife on the twitters yeah and, and i figured it could like, get no better so like let me let oh. me retire at the at the prime i don't know man <laughs> sad. sad sad stuff but anyway uh, check out Time Materials. Uh, if you're in uh, Mass proper, you could actually order some beers if they actually have them available. If not, I'm sure if you um, reach out to me or, or Brian or whatever, we can see what's what and, and figure out what, what's what. Because I've uh, given my buddy Keith a couple of your beers. Shout out to 93 Lover. That, yeah, 93 Lover. <laughs> he's a gin junkie, so I had oh, to give him one of those gin Love beers, that guy. So. Yeah, he's Keith is such a good guy. He's, yeah. Uh, yeah, a misanthrope and and uh, just a negative Nancy, but I love him. Love that guy. <laughs> the anyway, best people are. Um, so yeah, if you have any questions, uh, reach out to uh, Brian Time Materials Brewing dot uh, com at at Time Materials Brewing, or just reach out to me and go from there. So there we go.